Good morning, Christ Community Church. It's great to be with you all this morning. It's a great day outside, and it's an honor to be with you in the Lord's house. Let me take this opportunity to welcome you here this morning. I'm not Keith. Keith is taking a break this weekend, and um, I appreciate a 30-year-plus friendship that uh, my family's had with Keith and Donna and her family, and, um, and I thank him so much for asking me to be with you all this morning. Um, this is a high, high vi um, video media day, okay? I want to begin this morning um, by doing something a little different. Um, there is a cool movie that came out about the time my wife and I were married, and it's one of those movies that we keep in the things that we watch if we want something to remember things from the past, okay? It's, it's a funny movie to us. And, and there's a clip from this movie that I want to show y'all this morning that kind of speaks to what I'm going to talk about this morning. It's, it actually ties in a lot with Jeff and Anna and what's going on with them. And even the video we just saw about being a dad, because this morning I'm going to speak a lot as a dad. The movie is called Multiplicity. How many of y'all see Multiplicity? You remember Multiplicity? Okay, great. Most, most of y'all, that's awesome. Not most of y'all, a couple of y'all. But I can tell when you give me that look. Michael Keaton, star of Birdman, he's going to get an award. He, he won the awards and stuff for Birdman. He's a young man in this movie. And it is a hilarious movie for you and your spouse to watch, okay? <laughs> um, it, it's a great movie about um, where Michael's struggling with his time. He's struggling with what to do with his time. But it's not about his time. It's about his life. And so, and so there's a part in this movie where he has this conflict with his wife, who's played by Andy McDowell, and it's a, it's, a, it's a perfect storm of the relationship with his kids, of the relationship with his job. His, his wife, Andy, wants to take another job now, go back to working because the kids are old enough, and it all just blows up to the point where he says, call an exorcist. I'm sorry for the way I handled that. And then the next day he goes back to work, and this happens. Let's watch the screen.
guilty because I don't spend enough time with my wife and my kids, and then I, I get resentful about it because I feel like I should, you know, maybe get a little time for myself. It's like work is first, and my family is a close second. I'm a, I'm a distant third, bringing up the rear, you know? Uh, is that crazy? Psychiatrist. <laughs> I mean, you know, these problems are not in your mind, they're real. They require real solutions. Well, then, what do you do? I told you. I make miracles. I create time. <coughs> I make clones. Okay. <laughs> Geneticist. Fifteen years ago, I started cloning viruses. Can't have too many viruses. <laughs> and ten years ago, I cloned an earthworm. God bless you, sir. <laughs> He ends up going for it, and then he makes one. He makes another, and then he makes a third clone. And as he makes clones, they get worse and worse and worse and worse. And then he starts trying to use all three of himself, including himself four, to do all the things in his life so that he has time to do the important things, the things that are important. And it all gets messed up. And then at the very end, he figures out that he just needs his ducks in a row to begin with and not to have clones. It's a great little movie. And um, I bring that up to you this morning because we're going to talk this morning about time that's well spent. Time that's well spent. Before we do that, I'm going to have a short prayer and then we'll get going, okay? Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for this opportunity to share your word. I pray, God, that the words that I use and, and you know, all these things we talk about and talking about you, we pray all this is pleasing to you. We love you. 
We give you this time and all the things that we're doing. Blessed in Jesus' name. Amen. June, July, and August in my life, and I'm sure in all of y'all's lives, a little bit different than the rest of the year because it's kind of a laid-back time. We, we find water sources more during those, these months of the year because of pools and things we want to go swimming and do things like that. We grill out more. We, we take vacations or we take staycations. We do things to relax, and we do things to kind of take a step back a little bit. Well, this summer for the Heath family is a little bit different because... One of my daughters, I have four children, 13, 11, 7, and 5, two girls, two boys. And this year is a monumental year for the Heath household because my oldest child is going to be 13. She's entering teenagerhood in July, okay? And along with this teenager rite of passage that comes with it, it's got me very contemplative, to be honest with you, as a dad, because I remember the day she was born, and if you're, if, if you're a parent or friends of people that have had babies that you've been involved with, you remember those days when that happens. I remember that um, I was in full-time ministry and she was born, and I remember um, taking a couple of weeks off from the church and, and, and going home and, and, and being with her. I remember watching Wimbledon on TV with her sitting there. And all she would do is eat, sleep, poop, and look at you. That's all she would do. Those four things, not necessarily in that order, okay? And she'd do that. But there's this commercial that came on during that time, because Rolex was the sponsor of Wimbledon. And, roll, and, and, and it would be all this music with this watch all moving around, all these millions of pieces coming around. And it would say, this guy with a real deep voice would say, the gold standard Rolex. He said, it takes a solid year to build a gold standard Rolex. Ta -da, ta -da, the thing's all moving around. And when it got to the end, the commercial said this. It's like he took his voice down a notch and he said, but it's a Rolex. And where some people might think taking a year to put together a timepiece is a waste of time, we at Rolex think it's Time well spent. And you know, I watched that commercial about 20 times that day with that baby sitting there in front of me. And all of a sudden, that phrase, it's time well spent, stuck to me. It stuck to me. Because then it started making me look at this baby I had, then another baby, then another baby, then another baby, then my job, then my relationship with my wife, Kelly, and my whole life. And I started asking the question, what is time well spent? What is time well spent? And then when you put God into the mix, it really changes things. Because it dawned on me, as I'm sure it dawns on you, that when God is involved in your life, no matter what, it's time well spent. Would you agree with me this morning? Anytime that God is involved in something going on in your life, which we hope is all the time, it's time well spent. This morning, what I wanted to do with you is I wanted to take a look at four key words. So if you would, take out your program, and on the back, there are four key words. There's some scripture also on there. And this summer, is for the Heath family, the summertime for me is a time where I reflect. I look at my time. I don't look necessarily at my time um, management, like how I'm using my hours and stuff. But the summertime, since it's so laid back for me, 
I kind of take time and I say, God, am I doing things with you that are time well spent? And four things come to my mind, and I use them as my guideline. And can I tell you, this summer with a teenager coming up, with her sister coming up to become 11 years old, she's already 11, she just turned 11, and now she sees the new teenager, and then when I've got the 7-year-old and the 5-year-old just watching everything, this, this summer, this has been more particular for me than ever before. Let's look at these four words together, okay? The first word I want to share with you real quick is the word trust, okay? Trust. When you trust God with everything in your life, you always look back and end up saying that's time well spent. Do you trust God with every area in your life? every area in your life. Think about that for a minute. Do you trust him with the little things? Do you trust him with your finances? Do you trust him with your relationships? You know, we, we go on autopilot in so many ways with God, but then when things get too hot, we end up going to the trust level, see? You know what God's desire is for us? And, the, and when we follow it, we look back and go, that was time well spent. It's when we trust God with everything in our life. I've gotten to the point in my life where I have tried my best that even if I miss a red light, or if I miss a green light, and I have to stop, and I'm going to be late to something, I think, God, <laughs> I'm going to trust you that maybe I was supposed to stop for some reason. I'm, I'm, not being, I'm, not being, I'm, I'm, kid, I'm not kidding with you. I'm being serious with you. Every, sing, every single thing in our life, trust him with. There's a great illustration of this. Um, I don't know, in the Old Testament, the book of Daniel, there's three guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Here they were, the, the epitome of trust with God. Boy, did they have a trust with God. Here we had this evil king imposing these golden gods on the people. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego followed our God. And, and, and so word got out that these three guys were not following the king's God. So the king called him in there and said, you'll follow my God. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, no, they're not my God. They're not our God. This is our God, and this is who we worship. You know what the king said? The king said, you follow my God, or I'm going to burn you up. And you know what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said? They said, king, you can burn us all you want to. You can kill us, destroy us. We trust in our God that he will deliver us. And, and here's what scripture says. Even if God, our God, decides not to deliver us, we are still going to trust in him for his plan in our life. The Bible says the king got so infuriated, his, his face contorted. He got so mad, he couldn't believe it. So he called up his, his, his guards to come in there. He turned the furnace seven times hotter than normal. He, bound, he got those guards to bind up, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, carted them up to the furnace, the furnace was so hot that when the door opened, the guards that had them just incinerated right there. Just incinerated. Now think about that. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego standing there with the guards incinerated. Now that was a clue for them if they're smart enough that maybe they might be okay because they weren't incinerated too. So they actually threw them into the furnace and they're in there, right? Well, the king says, hey, guard, I need you to go check on those guys. See if they're... Um, Kentucky Crispy in there, you know what I'm saying? And so, and so they go in there and check it out. And they come back to the king, and you know what they said? 
They said, King, uh, how many guys did we throw in that furnace? King said, well, well we, we threw three guys in there. Shadrach, Meshach, yeah, three guys. The guard said, well, you know something? There aren't three guys in there anymore. What? There are not three guys? No, there are four guys. And one of them looks like they're God. And the Bible says, you know what they were doing? Walking around in the furnace. Seven times hotter. Talk about trust that God would deliver them. You know what happened as a result of that? They come out. The king says, I am so sorry. I made a major mistake. I'm sorry. Our whole kingdom's going to worship your God now. Forget this God. And the impact of the trust they had in God was fantastic. Folks, we follow a God that we can trust like that. We follow a God that has a plan for us. But our job to have time well spent is to follow him in every single moment of our life, to trust him. To trust him in every single moment. It is a powerful thing, and I want you to catch that this morning because a lot of times we take that for granted. A lot of times we, we take it for granted. Now, I listed there Psalm 37, and I want to take just a minute. I don't have it on the board there or anything, but what I want to do is just, just read to you real quickly a key part of this psalm. Don't fret because of evildoers. Don't be jealous or envious of people that do you wrong. For they're going to wither quickly like the grass, and they're going to fade like the green herb. Trust in the Lord. In other words, you just trust in the Lord. You do what you're supposed to do, which is, what's the word? Trust, yeah. And do good. You dwell in the land that I've given you. And you cultivate faithfulness. You delight yourself in what's going on in me, okay? And I, God says, will give you the desires of your heart because it's in conformity with his desires. And then he, he, then he encourages us again. Commit your way to the Lord. And then look what he says again. Trust also in him. And he will do it. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your judgment as the noonday. Ask yourself this morning, how much time do you spend in a day trusting God with things? What are you worried about today? What are you thinking about today? That really is something we should trust God for. Write down the second word with me. The second word I want you to write down is the word intimacy. Intimacy. Now, I'm going to ask you a question. When you hear the word intimacy, intimacy, what do you think about? What is it? Anything? Do you think about the physical side of intimacy? Do you think about being close with someone? You know, America today, when you ask people about the word intimacy, you know what they think about immediately? They think about physical. They think about a handshake, a hug, a kiss, that sort of thing. Even in marriage relationships, a lot of times intimacy is surrounding the physical aspect of things. Can I tell you the word intimacy of what I, I want to get at this morning? Is that there are four levels to intimacy. Physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual. Okay? And here's the thing about us as humans. We walk around the earth physically. We get to know people physically. We have friendships. Oh, I love you. Good to see you. You hug them and that sort of thing. But can I, can I just suggest this morning that God's form of intimacy with us. He desires us not just to know him, 
from maybe a physical, from reading about Jesus and walking with other Christians. He desires us to know him emotionally, to know him mentally, to know him spiritually. I was talking with my daughter about this yesterday, and actually it was two or three days ago. I was asking, I said, how do you know I love you? How do you know I love you? And you know what she quoted? Just like what America quotes. Because you do this, you do this, you do this, you do this. And then she said, because you hug me, you hug on me, and you, and you kiss on me, and you, you show me that you love me and everything. But then I said, but what about this right here? What if I couldn't do any of that? How would you know? And she kind of looked at me, and I kind of looked at her. And it was kind of hard to say. Except we were focused on each other with our eyes. And you know, they say the eyes are the windows of the soul. And you just knew that you loved each other. Because we have this mental, emotional, spiritual connection. You know, your wife, your spouse, your husband. You love them, but there's also this intimate connection that you have when you look at them in the eyes and you, and you, and you, um, and you look and you just know you love each other kind of a thing. It's the kind of intimacy that God wants with us as well. He wants that closeness. And I just, I just want um, to mention, um, there's a danger here in America today, in, in the world, and it's called um, cell phone technology, <laughs> um, you know, about, about this intimacy and, and the time we spend there um, that we have to watch because it, it, it stifles our intimacy that we can have because everything is so this way. Okay, everything is so this way, that there's no this way. Does that make sense? Um, I listed there John 3. Uh, go home this afternoon and read this. Cool story. Here's Nicodemus. He was the Pharisee. He was part of the Pharisees. He's the physical part. People saw him as the Pharisee, and he lived out the physical law, okay? But he comes to Jesus at night because something's happened where he's gotten tweaked on the inside. Uh, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, something's going on there, and he comes to Jesus to see him. He starts asking him questions, and he's saying, you know, we've kind of figured out that you're a teacher. We've kind of figured out, but when you read inside the scripture, you kind of feel like Nic Nicodemus is saying, but I'm seeing something else here, and Jesus shares with him how, what it means to walk with him, what it means to be intimate, to be connected, to be born again from the inside out, see? So much so that our passage from the whole, everyone knows in the whole world, John 3.16 comes from that. God so loved the world. The whole passage. And yet, that's where Jesus shares with Nicodemus the whole story. God so loved the world. He tells the whole thing to Nicodemus right there in that visit. When he's with the disciples and other people, he gives them glimpses of the kingdom of God, tells some people whatever. But when he gets to Nicodemus, he shows him everything. Tells him the whole thing. And then you know what happens with the story when I'm reading? I'm reading, I go, what happened? They, they don't tell you what happened. It just stops there. But when you look at the scripture, there are two other places that Nicodemus is mentioned. Okay? One is where they are bringing Jesus in. And, and Nicodemus stands up for Jesus. And he says, hey, isn't a man innocent? Uh, you know, don't we consider people innocent until he's proven guilty? Maybe we ought to hear what he's got to say. To the point that the other Pharisees accuse him and say, are you from Galilee? Are you one of those people from Galilee? They start to wonder his allegiance because something inside's been tweaked. And you know, the next time you read about Nicodemus, 
He's bringing spices to help bury Jesus. Something happened on an intimate level with him. You know what time, you know what time, worth time, okay, is when we are intimate with God. When we take the time to grow that mental aspect, that emotional aspect, to where, to where we are so in tune with God, you see, that it's time worth spending, time worth having, okay? You look back and you go, man, that was great. Um, look with me at the, la- at, the, at the third thing, okay? Because these kind of tie together. Write down the word meditation. If you want to be intimate with God, you have to spend time in meditation. This summer, can I encourage you to do something? Can I encourage you to spend more time with God than you've ever spent with him before? Meditating on his word? Growing more intimate with God and his workings in your life? I love the scripture. It's a, it's a cool thing. Um, where, well, actually, when you look in the dictionary, when you look at Webster's and you look at the meaning of what meditation is, you know what the actual meaning of it is? To focus on something. To reflect on something. Something that concerns me is that it seems like nowadays, and the people I speak with in my church that I go to and things, scriptures and things of God become bullet points rather than things that we really get inside of and really reflect on and really seem to, to, to try to figure out how it can really be um, woven into our lives every day. You want time well spent? Spend time meditating. Let me tell you how important it is. It's so important that when Joshua took over the reins of Moses, well, I'll tell you, let's look at the scripture. Here's what, here's what God said to Joshua. He said, now this is what I'm going to tell you to do. You're in charge now, Joshua. And out of everything God could say to him, this is what he said. Be strong and courageous, for you shall give this people possession of the land, which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right. Do not turn from it to the left, so that you may have success wherever you go. Okay, now the next slide. This book of law shall not depart from your mouth. In other words, know it so well that it's on your tongue. It's on the tip of your tongue. You meditate on it day and night. Focus on it. Reflect on it. So why? You can be careful to do according to all that's written in it. For then shall I make your way prosperous. And, and then you will have success in what you do. Why? Because in essence, you will have trusted God for everything. And in essence, you will have grown so closely to God, you will know how to travel in his ways. see? Have I not commanded you this, basically from day one? <laughs> He says, be strong, be good courage. Don't worry about what's going to come your way as the leader, okay? Don't be afraid, don't be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. 
Where do you focus your time this morning? Where's your focus? I, I got some stats here that I, I, wanna, that I found out this past week that, that, that are kind of scared. Scary. <laughs> Did you know that kids today, age 14 to 17, 78% of them own cell phones? And of that, 50% of them are actually smartphones. Did you know that kids age 12 to 17 today send over 100 text messages a day? You see? Our whole lives are being driven by these things right here. Can I tell you what's really hit me? I feel like that God wants us to spend less time like this way and more time taking our lives and charting our lives through what the scripture says. I really do. And, and, and get beyond bullet points, get beyond just phrases, but to actually get more intimate with God. Because if you want to know what his plan is for your life, you got to get close. you got to get really close for that to happen. It's not just going to happen. An interesting thing, um, I'll be quick about this. Interesting thing, when Kelly and I were first married, we got married and, and, um, and we decided, hey, you know, we're going to start our, our relationship off right and we're going to read the one-year Bible. Do you remember that, baby? Because we're we're we got married at the end of the year and so we thought January 1st was going to happen. We start reading that one-year Bible and, and every day it was an Old Testament, New Testament, a Psalm and a Proverb, you know, and you read through the Bible. By the time you get the whole year, you have the whole Bible read, right? Okay, well, I was an associate pastor at a church and she was a youth minister and we were all there. So every night before we go to bed, we'd read, we'd read, a, we'd read our stuff or whenever we could read it or whatever and well, my, my wife being the reader that she is, I mean, she was diligent every single day. Well, I hung in for about the first four days, and after that, you know, it was all downhill. <laughs> and I was the associate pastor. I know. See how bad that is? No. <laughs> I'm just a little humor. I was busy doing God things. Okay. So, what, so anyway, I, um, I, but no, I'm, just, I'm just being facetious with you. But we were, we were doing it, doing it, doing it, doing it. And then all of a sudden, she kept on doing it. And I was snoring, you know, and she'd hit me. And, and get this, they asked me to speak in June at the church. So I was trying to find some scripture. And guess what I found? I found a scripture out of 1 Samuel that I thought I would do. It was an awesome scripture. I prepared this awesome sermon. It was all great and everything. Well, guess what? The Saturday night before that Sunday morning, Kelly is reading the scriptures, uh, the one-year Bible. And she says, hey, baby, you going to catch up? I said, yeah, I'll catch up. So I was like two or three weeks behind. So I start reading quicker and quicker to get through so I can catch up. Guess where Saturday night's scripture came from? First Samuel, the scripture I was going to preach on that next day. You're talking about conviction. You see, when we, when we focus on this and don't focus on this, you'll see what time well spent is all about. God will weave his plan in ways you will see. I love what Hebrews 12, 14 says. Pursue holiness because the only way we're going to see God in our life is if we pursue holiness in our life, doing the best we can. Which brings us to the fourth point I want to mention to you, which is evaluation. This summer, in the time that you've got, could I encourage you 
take some time to evaluate where you are with God. I don't know where you are this morning, but this is a downtime before September starts and kids go back to school and life gets hectic and craziness. You've got two months here, three months if you have kids. If you don't have kids, you've got all the time in the world probably. Um, I don't mean that you don't work, but I'm just saying you don't have other stuff. Take some time to ask God to search you and, and where you can be better, where you can be better. My little boy Noah came into my office this past week, all excited. And he said, Dad, what did you think about this? What do you think about this spaceship? I made it just for you. What do you think? I put it all together. It's got one of these gyro blasters right here. And you see the wings, and it kind of looks like a person, but it's not a person. It's actually a spaceship. He was all proud of what he had done here, of what he'd put together. He wanted me to put it in my office. And he, had, he described intimately all the little specs. It's got two little smooth places right up underneath here that he put. It's got a gyro blaster that, that, that does like Mach 5 and stuff. And, and it's got little missiles that shoots out. All these different things. And, and, and I, I said it right there. I said, buddy, I'll set it right here. I'll set it right here. And you know what he did? Every day he came in during the week and he said, there's my thing I made for you. That's my thing I made. Isn't that cool? Can I tell you, that's what I want to ask you to do. We're living life every day. And we're putting things together in our life. And, and it's things that we can come to God and say, God, what do you think about this? Isn't this cool? What do you think about this? Lead me in this way. You see, we have to do that from time to time. We have to say, God, evaluate where I am. Where do I need to be? What do I need to do to spend my time better? And allow God to do his work in you, you see? Trust, intimacy, meditation, evaluation. If you put those four things into practice, every time you do, you will look back and say, just like a gold standard Rolex, it takes a solid year to put together. It was time well spent. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for being with us and for this time. Thank you, God, so much for the, for the privilege of being able to trust you. So many things going on in so many lives in this room right now. And so many things happening. I pray, God, this morning that you empower us to take that step to trust you with every single thing we have in our life. The little things, the big things, everything. That you would give us the confidence of a Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to trust you with everything. God, I pray that you would allow us and grow in us a hunger and a need to be intimate with you. Not just to know you in our heart, but, but God, grow in us to the point that we emotionally know you, that we mentally know you, that we spiritually know you as you work in our life each day. 
as we focus, as we think about your word. God, work in us a conviction and a hunger to spend more time in your word so that the intimacy can happen. And God, we, we, we ask you to bless all these things that we do. For we do it all for you, and we thank you for all you've done. In Jesus' name, amen.